on BYU Sports Nation, the number one change that must happen to better chances of making the NCAA tournament for BYU basketball. We've got quarterback news from spring football, including one guy ahead of schedule and another transfers. BYU men's volleyball makes another significant move up the rankings, and it's baseball game day for the Batcats. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, March 13th, wherever and however you're dialed in. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with BYU TV's Boom Goes the Dynamite guy, Jerem Jordan. I do try and drop that during men's volleyball matches at least once. The origin of that is uh, the school news at Ball State, and some guy apparently got thrown in uh, last second and uh, dropped the iconic phrase, boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> if Passes you it to the man, and yeah. boom goes the dynamite. That is a classic YouTube video. <laughs> I think that's what got me really juiced about YouTube and blooper reels. I thought you were going to say broadcasting. I no. Was like, no, don't no, say no, that. No, no, no. Like, I... If I think about, like, the first viral YouTube video I watched, it had to be Boom Goes the Dynamite Guy. I can't think of one b- before that because it happened in Lazy Sunday for me from SNL was oh, really? the first one I remember. But you remember what you used to do is you'd email just the video itself. Do you remember that? So, like, the old video of the bear fighting the guy <laughs> near the river. That was, you just emailed that out yourself. And then you'd, you'd laugh and you'd move on. Like it was this really pixelated MP4 or something. I don't know. You put it on a hard disk and you plug it in 3.14 megabytes. So long ago. Ten years. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. In ten years, we're going to be doing something vastly different. Like, it's crazy. Very true. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. In ten years, Jerem, I think... All of college basketball will be attempting to do something very differently with scheduling if they want to make the NCAA tournament. BYU basketball coach Dave Rose told us yesterday that BYU is taking a hard look at changing its scheduling philosophy in an attempt to just get back to the NCAA tournament. Listen to what Coach Rose said in Studio B yesterday. We're just going to have to go out and uh, and really beat the bushes with a different uh, mindset. It was always a home and home. It was always a, you know, some, a couple of times we talked about two for ones at some places, but you know, now we're maybe just talking about going out there and, and playing us a one shot deal for money. And yeah. then we'll figure out how we get our home game some other way. The Cougars are clearly open to whatever will give them a better chance of getting back to the NCAA tournament. And I think it has advanced past taking a hard look at to, okay, let's go and do this. The decision, I feel, has been made. With what Dave Rose told us yesterday, Jerem, how do you see BYU basketball changing the way it schedules? Well, first off, the biggest issue with BYU's schedule is that it plays in the West Coast Conference. It just drags the RPI down. You're not getting that many top 100 games. In fact, you're getting four in league, okay, with St. Mary's and Gonzaga. And who knows? Are the Zags still in the league for long? Who knows? Like four games in Quadrant 1 or top 100 games, okay, but it's – the eight games against yes. teams that are RPI 300 plus or 275 plus. And then, so, play, so one thing we learned Sunday from uh, Selection, Selection Show, 
it's not just about who you play, it's where you play them too. So that, that matters. And BYU's losing some of these games. That doesn't help. But the number one thing BYU can do is schedule more quad one games in non-conference. Let's explain what this means. A quad one game is an RPI 1 through 30 home game, 1 through 50 neutral, or 1 through 75 road. BYU has to go out and get, I think, at least three of these in non-conference next year and then avoid any quad four games. Just don't schedule them. Just don't do them. So BYU plays in these tournaments, right? You're, you're bound to get one in there. You're hoping you get a second. You got, BYU is going to have to play games it hasn't been playing, like Dave Rose said. They're going to have to go on the road and just play a tough road game. They're going, I don't think BYU's got to pull a Utah Valley and go crazy and play Kentucky and Duke on back-to-back nights. That's, that's, not, that's not the model. But go and play at somebody and at somebody a little tougher. Go play at Davidson or go play You're, you have to at guess Illinois State. The troubling thing, too, Spencer, is that you have to guess who's going to be a top 50 neutral game that in is the top finicky. 75 yeah, it's road a fi- game. It's a fickle process. However, if you approach it with we're going to schedule a bunch of these games or at least more than we have in the past, and you have a better chance of having it pan out to be a quad one or even quad two game. And I know we're saying quadrant a lot, but that's because we've spoken – with Tom Homo, who was on the NCAA selection committee, and he has pointed out that the quad one and quad two situations, he did so in Las Vegas, talked about, look, we've, if you want to get in the NCAA tournament, you got to schedule tougher. And honestly, the losses don't matter that much. For example, Syracuse was four and eight in quad one games. That eight was just ignored. They said, well, they have four quad but one wins. They won games. a third of those games, they had four quad one a wins. Third. A third. Wow. Okay, BYU's got to mix it up. They really do. Okay, Spencer, one idea out there is unbalanced scheduling. Dave Rose also discussed it yesterday on the show. It used to all be about who you beat, but now it's all about who you play. It's crazy. Okay, and so, you know, the the challenge will be now is what we can actually get in our preseason. There's also a challenge of maybe eliminating a couple games from the conference schedule and playing an imbalanced conference schedule to give you a couple more games to go and play people. Spencer, what do you think of the idea of an unbalanced conference schedule? If it helps BYU schedule tougher, which it will, and it keeps Gonzaga happy, I'm all for it. If it makes the West Coast Conference more palatable because you get to go out and have more opportunities to play away games against these tough teams, then yeah, do it. I love the tweet from John Gassaway of ESPN yesterday, and I quote, No sport in the world is obsessed with the schedule at the expense of performance to the same extent as men's college basketball. Oh, football, it's totally different. You're right. It's like, who's undefeated? Okay, you're really good. In basketball, it's like, well, who'd you play and where'd you play them? Who'd you play? How did you challenge yourself? Yes, it's very biased against the non-power six. You can go four and eight, as you just pointed out, like Syracuse, you can lose 11 of the teams. last 15 and be Oklahoma, but you had a great non Like, what? You're not playing well now. That's not a thing. That's not a it's, piece of criteria. It's not a metric. It's not a metric. So, I, I don't know. I think BYU will try and change its scheduling philosophy, regardless of what Gonzaga does, staying in the West Coast Conference or the Mountain West, just because they want to put themselves in a better position. This could hurt. Unbalanced could hurt BYU's schedule. How? Be- because what if you only have one game with Gonzaga? Only one game with St. I don't Mary's. Think, I don't think that Gonzaga would allow that to happen. 
Well, they he, control listen, the West Coast Conference to a degree, and I think they would be they, like, uh, every year our stipulation is we play BYU twice, we play St. Mary's twice. I don't see how they schedule unfairly that way. Unbalanced is one thing. Unfairly is different. You'd have to say, okay, everybody rotates in who they play. I don't think it'd pan out that way. That's cheap. Plus, this idea. If Gonzaga leaves for the Mountain West, BYU shouldn't change their scheduling philosophy, in my opinion. They should just aim to win the conference tournament. Because it's likely a one bid league. Well, then you're unless Randy your Bennett reloads St. Mary's. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. Then hasn't be well. That basket hasn't had any eggs in it the last three years. Going to the NIT, why not? You have a better shot. You don't have to kill yourself, but you can change it to get put yourself in an at large position. Why not? Prep for March, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Saying. But I just don't see why you wouldn't. You know, spread out the eggs. Give yourself that much better of a chance. BYU spring football now, Jerem, in practice number five today. Quarterback Tanner Mangum now practicing in some drills. Just four months off an Achilles tendon rupture against Fresno State. You have to be patient and be uh, you know, obedient to, to what the doctor wants you to do, the training staff. And so, um, you know, right now we're, we're on schedule, you know, just, just taking it day by day, week by week. Tanner Mangum says he will be 100% by fall camp. Are you surprised that Tanner Mangum is this far ahead of schedule? Yes, 129 days. on ske- 129 days ago, like four months ago, he ruptured his Achilles. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy to just see him out here. We didn't think we'd see him at all in spring ball, and he's out. He's not doing uh, 11 on 11, not running around per se, but he's participating in some of the drills. We had this with Taysom Hill a few years ago. Remember, we didn't think he'd be in spring ball. Suddenly he was there. It was crazy. I think this is good because BYU needs as much competition of that position under a new OC and a new offense. And there's lots of quarterbacks. Uh, Yeah, I think this is good. I think what we're getting at is, does this better his chances of being the starting quarterback at BYU this season? It doesn't hurt unless he stinks. (laughs) It if you think it hurt, yeah. Yeah, it it certainly has to factor in. If he's ahead of schedule, then, yeah, it's, it's going to give him a better shot to impress Jeff Grimes and get back to work with his guys. He's a senior quarterback. Why wouldn't you want what he has to offer, whether he becomes the starter or not? If he's healthy, just by the whole nature of the business of a new offensive coordinator, you tend to lean on guys with experience. That's why I think um, – Zach Wilson and Stacey Connor and Baylor Romney, these guys are getting great experience. If I'm a new OC, I'm not handing the reins to a new offense, to a freshman, but I want them to be in the mix because they're the future. A guy like Zach Wilson, Stacey Connor, Baylor Romney, they could be the future. We'll see. But to me, it's, it's Mangum, Hodge, Critchlow are your top three. We'll see where Jaron Hall fits in the mix. Okay, yesterday, Kalani Sataki announced the transfer of redshirt freshman quarterback Cody Wilstead. I talked with him as a head coach and been able to sit down with him, and they really positive conversation, you know, but I think he looks, he wants to get on the field and play as soon as possible, and I think he's looking for a different place to do that. Wilstead redshirted last year. He was one of 817 quarterbacks BYU had in uh, spring football to start camp last week. How does Wilstead transferring affect the QB race this spring, Spencer? Uh, give me my box so that I can put my leg up on it to give you the captain obvious answer. It takes the number from eight to seven, period. And now it's down the to end. six. Yeah. Okay? Like, it's – Jaron Hall is not in the mix yet. So, right now, there are and, six quarterbacks and in will spring he be in the football. Mix? RM off a of mission right away? 
another one of those young guys. Yeah. Capable and yeah. exciting to think about, right. but really, I, I'm with you. I think it you lean on experience when it's year one of an offense. So Cody Wilson wants to play right now. I don't blame him, but I don't think it affects BYU's quarterback race other than taking it from this number to one less. Yeah, there's just, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen uh, for BYU with quarterbacks. And th- trust me, there are too many now. Like, I won't be shocked if someone else transfers at some point. Um, we'll, we'll see. But if you want to play and there are like eight dudes in the room and you're not one of the top three, uh, there are options. Or, unless you bide your time. This isn't the 80s where you wait. You bide your time, you get your, you can go, and you can go play elsewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if Cody Willstead is the Southern Utah quarterback. But BYU's had a pipeline down that direction with McCoy Hill and others. BYU or go was, to snow and then jump from there. BYU was one senior quarterback, a junior quarterback, and Bo Hodge, who we will talk to later in the program, and a sophomore quarterback, Joe Critchlow, and then and a bunch freshman. freshmen. Now, Jaron, Jaron Hall is an interesting one. Dynamic, dual threat. KJ's brother, Kalen's son, what does he offer off a of mission? But you don't want to throw in an, a return missionary from the summer into the starting spot. Let him have some time physically to get back, mentally to get back. And you know That's how we- the good part about having a bunch of guys is you do yes. have the time. Return missionaries are weird the first few months. You don't want to throw him into the offense right away, man. He's got to figure out where he's living. Unless you're Tanner Mangum against Nebraska. He's getting used to- <laughs> Well, that's a Hail Mary. That's lucky. <laughs> Jerem, game number 15 for the Batcats of BYU baseball today. The Cougars, 8-6 and six at this point. One game better than this point last year. In a season, they tied for the regular season West Coast Conference Championship, won the tournament, and went to an NCAA regional for the first time in 15 years. What are your expectations for BYU baseball this season? Be top four in the West Coast Conference, get to Stockton, lock their doors so nothing gets stolen, and hope to win that tournament again. That's, that's my expectation for this team. I don't expect them to make the regional per se. It's just really hard to win in this league. The West Coast Conference has some quality baseball at the top. But I want them to get to Stockton, compete, give themselves a chance on Saturday. What they did last year was miraculous. It was unbelievable. It was one of the best stories of 2016-17 uh, BYU sports. It was awesome. Now, an unfortunate turn of events for BYU baseball in that their closer, Riley Gates, is out for the season having shoulder surgery. So that affects things in terms of expectations for me because BYU relied heavily on him last year in a bunch of different roles. And it's so much about pitching when it comes to the postseason and you get later into the baseball season. Do they have enough? And so when Riley Gates went down, new guys come up, and I know they can step up, but for me it's like, Yeah, I think BYU baseball will make the West Coast Conference Tournament. I think that they will compete for a regular season championship and be one of the top three teams. But it's it's a lot to ask them to to pull off exactly what they did last year after such a that was, long uh, that was a miracle. It was making the NCAA tournament. Can't expect last year to happen again. That was incredible. That was crazy. So yeah, just be competitive. Give yourself an opportunity to be there in the end. Get stocked and see what happens. Don't our, lose that first game. Our question of the day. What is the most important thing for you when it comes to BYU basketball scheduling at Josh Mail 313? Nothing. The schedule they had this year would have gotten them in if they beat Alabama or UT Arlington, St. Mary's at home. You don't lose non-St. Zag games in conference. Other, BYU would be dancing seven. right now. 
The team is young. Let them build and finish the process. Do we trust the process or do we finish the process? I like to finish the process. I don't want to be the 76ers. They're not actually doing anything. Anyway, <laughs> you had opportunities, but why not give yourself more opportunities to win a big yes, game? Yes, because the committee ignored those losses. Exactly. You don't, you get, did- you don't get punished. What if BYU schedules like seven quad one games and they get two? Like, then Great. they go in league. Yeah, whatever. Great. Coming up, have you ever wanted to see Sione Taki Taki, Peyton Dasherman, Mary Lake play ping pong? I if the answer is no, you can tune in yeah, now. Yeah, but I, I, I promise you it's going to be fun. Dual threat analyst Blaine Fowler up next. How would he work the schedule for BYU basketball moving forward? Play Utah every game. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Batcats are in the middle of an 11-game homestand and host Utah Valley tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Trying to win a fourth consecutive game at home. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation. Nationally simulcast on BYU TV and Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. Our conversation happening right now on Twitter. It's simple. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. And whenever you tweet, wherever you tweet, throw in the hashtag BYUSN. Our question of the day, what is the most important thing for you when it comes to BYU basketball scheduling at Shay Lawrence C says we need more games in big 10 country hashtag Detroit BYU fan. Well, that's a, the, yeah, that's for them to see a game. Which BYU is, had yeah, Michigan state a few years ago in the palace at Auburn Hills that's in right. Detroit. And by a few years ago, you mean like 10. <laughs> it's been a while. No, no, it hasn't been that long. Remember when we used to send out email uh, low-resolution MPEGs instead of watching things on YouTube? We talked about this off the top of the show. It's not that long ago. Well, see, you bring up an interesting point, though, with uh, <laughs> Michigan State. BYU played a neutral and neutral series. With loved Michigan it. State. It was in Salt Lake. That game was on BYU TV. Yeah. I loved it. Michigan State. Let's go do more of that. Joining us now to discuss the current scheduling situation for BYU basketball is dual-thread analyst, friend of the program, overall good guy, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, welcome back to Studio B, man. What's up, guys? We're trying to figure out. You're uh, trying to figure it out. What one quad four RPI what the is heck not BYU yeah. schedule needs to do to better their chances of putting together a resume that the committee looks at and says, "Okay, we're going to take a harder look at this." What do you think about everything that uh, we have discussed in terms of what the Cougars need to do with scheduling? So in the preseason schedule, I don't think that it needs to be a dramatic overall because we're people talk about St. Mary's not being in the tournament. And and it's not because of the WCC. It's because of their preseason schedule. Correct. But but their preseason schedule, Randy's philosophy has been over time, we're not leaving the state of California. And we're really not going to play anybody. Because if they if they won't come to our place, then we're not going to go to their place. That's been the philosophy. It's can't so, do that anymore. So, so, so you can't and so so and they play a ton of home games. So this is a very different problem. BYU is a, a two pronged thing. They need to upgrade the preseason schedule a little bit. But I'll tell you right now, if they had the same preseason schedule they had this year and they finished with the same record as St. Mary's, they'd be hands down in the tournament. Oh, they'd be a single digit seed. Right. And so so it's you know, it's not St. Mary's, but I will tell you this. Moving forward, because we're seeing non-P5 schools getting fewer and fewer bids, so they do need to upgrade it a little bit. Um, they need to play name teams that are more likely to be quad one and quad two over time. Because here's what's hard. UMass, they play this year. And I did a couple of UMass games in the A-10. UMass starts like four freshmen. 
two years from now, UMass could be a quad one or quad two team. They're they, quad four this so, year, 240 So they're quad RPI. four. Well, yeah. when you schedule them, you don't know that. If you just scheduled Rhode Island three years ago or two years ago, they were a quad four team two or three years ago. Yeah. They're an NCAA tournament team that just won the A-10 this year, right? So what you do, though, is you schedule the Arizona – you schedule a couple more Arizona States, Arizonas, you know, those types of schools that are big name that are more likely two years from now to be quad one or quad two teams. But you, they only need a couple more. The bigger issue is they have to consistently win against the teams. And somebody just tweeted that to you. They can't lose to the non-Gonzaga St. Mary's teams in the league. Gonzaga never does. We're calling them the other seven now, apparently. Yeah, Gonzaga doesn't lose to the other teams, right? So, and they and they play a little bit more difficult big name preseason schedule than BYU has. So that that's the formula. They don't need to have a massive change of what they're doing in the preseason. They need to tweak it a little bit to add a couple more teams that are more likely to be quad one and quad two, and then they need to not lose to teams they're supposed to be in conference. Can you imagine if BYU they went eleven and two in non-conference. If they finish fourteen and four in the West Coast Conference, they're in the tournament and win two games in Vegas. They have twenty-seven wins. Well, so their, their preseason schedule is good enough to get them in with twenty-seven. St. Mary's was not. BYU played six quad one games. Again, quad one meaning a, an RPI home one through thirty, neutral one through fifty, road one through seventy-five. 0-5 in the quad one conference games. BYU needed to get one or right. two. I, I think BYU needs to get at least three quad one wins, if not four, to have a chance to get in. Because the committee screamed at us Monday. Right. It's not who, it's not your record. It's not even who you play. It's who you play and where you played them. Right. Well, right. BYU got, because they the got quad, one. But, but they got here's, one quads are defined Every by where Every once in a while, there's an, there's an aberration, though. So I look, at, I look at St. Mary's and I go, yeah, it makes sense based on the criteria. Then why in the heck is USC not in the tournament? Yeah. That one it's makes a, no deal. I know you guys didn't ask Tom Holman. I look at that one and I go, okay, now I am baffled. So one, Or we once, did and we're not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm baffled by that one, right? You know, is it because they're under, under investing? What's the deal on that one? Like, why is UCLA in and USC not in? Yeah, there's all kinds of nuances, right? Yeah. And, but, and- but BYU, let's, we all agree that they've got to upgrade slightly in the preseason, and then they've got to be better in conference. And that's the yes. formula to yes. consistently get in. They don't have to win this league to get in, but if, but if they upgrade their preseason schedule and they win against the teams they're supposed to win against, then this is going to be a two-bid league. Okay, BYU's still playing this season, I'm told. They are? Okay, against Stanford tomorrow. This just in. <laughs> what does BYU need to do in the NIT to salvage something for this season? Well, I'd, I'd like to see them play closer to the way they played against St. Mary's. They executed really, really well. Now, mentally, I think they exhausted a lot of energy, right? So then they, they had a tough time against Gonzaga, who's really good. Everyone does. St- Stanford is a really good matchup. They're very similar teams. they got a couple of big guys uh, in, inside in, in Travis and Humphreys. I think BYU matches up with their size. I think BYU can play physical. I think BYU can play the half-court game. This is Stanford's deal this year. Four of their top seven players are freshmen. So so a young team, including Davis, who's their primary ball handler and assist leader, is a freshman. So they're going to have less tournament-type experience than BYU. Even BYU's a fairly young team. I think BYU's a little more experienced. Offset that with Stanford's playing at home. This becomes a really, really fun, good matchup. I think BYU has the tools to match up really well with these guys because they have the inside game. I, I love this matchup of, uh, of Travis and Yoli Childs inside. This, this is going to be a fun one. And I think BYU has one more piece on the outside than, than Stanford does, and to me that's the difference. So I think BYU wins this one even though it's on the road in a close ball game. Because I think, but 
Having said that, in St. Mary's, I thought T.J. Haas was brilliant, right? And then, then you had the rest of the team playing well, and I thought Nixon was brilliant in that game. So they need three or four guys to show up and play. They don't have to be as perfect as they were against St. Mary's, but they have to play closer to that than what they did against Gonzaga, and this is a really fun matchup. It really is. It's a fun time of year with March Madness, BYU spring football going. Love it. Love it. We're going to need more from you going forward, Blaine, okay? You got it. All righty. We'll do it again. Okay. We'll see you guys. Thanks, Blaine. Hey, coming out, Bo Hodge has those muscly arms like Blaine. Does it mean he'll, <laughs> be, the bigger. Does it mean he'll be the starting quarterback this fall? Our two-on-one is on deck. And next, Between the Lines sets up the BYU athlete ping pong brackets. Oh, this is serious. Are you a ping pong guy, Blaine? Don't mess with me in ping pong. <laughs> Taki Taki, Lake. They got some good names in this. BYU Sports Nation continues after this. Hey, Lauren's in the building, too. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. We have much to discuss and little time to do it. So let's get to today's headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. If you missed it, off the top of the show, Tanner Mangum is now practicing in some drills. BYU football in day five of spring football. Mangum just four months after an Achilles rupture against Fresno State. Wow. Does that better his chances of being the BYU starting quarterback? Certainly doesn't hurt them. Cody Wilstead, also in the quarterback room, we found out, a redshirt freshman has asked for and received a release. He will transfer. That leaves seven in the running for BYU starting quarterback once you add Jaron Hall getting off of his two-year mission trip. Yeah, the mission trip. Yep. Uh, men's basketball will open the first round of the NIT against Stanford tomorrow, 10 Eastern, live on ESPNU and here on BYU Radio. 14th appearance in the NIT. The Cougars have made it to Madison Square Garden four times in this tournament. BYU baseball opens the week in the University Parkway Collision. Is that what I'm supposed to say, Jerem? You say whatever you want. <laughs> Cougars against UVU. Miller Park tonight, 8 Eastern. Six Mountain, first pitch goes out on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I'll be on the call with Gary Scheide. Is Jason Shepard there too? Oh, Jason Shepard. And Jason Shepard will, okay. will be there as Just well. Don't want to leave. Uh, How did I overlook the Mc, cog? Mc, McDugout reporter. The cog that is Jason Shepard in our BYU he's, baseball he's broadcast. He's a guy, man. He's a guy. And men's volleyball moves up to number two in the latest AVCA coaches poll. Also, Brendan Sander, MPSF Offensive Player of the Week. Felipe de Brito Ferreira. Is the MPSF Defensive Player of the Week, and Leo Durkin is the Off the Block National Setter of the Week. Suffice it to say that men's volleyball is crushing fools at this moment. See, let's see if I can get this right. Felipe de Brite Ferreira. Close. Okay. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Hey, the brackets are out, and the matchups have been set for March Mayhem because we can't say the other phrase. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got our own mayhem in March happening. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. It's Selection Tuesday. For our first annual BYU TV Sports Ping Pong Tournament, we selected eight athletes from various sports from across campus. So forget about the basketball court. It's all about the ping pong table. Now it's time for Spencer and I to break down the matchups. Welcome to Mayhem in March, bringing you ping pong like you have never seen it before on BYU TV 8. 
I'm Lauren McLean, and this is Spencer Linton. Spencer, what do you expect from this tournament? How can you adequately explain your expectations for a quandary that we are about to see today, Lauren? This is why we have BYU TV 8, The Ocho. The Ocho, bringing you every obscure sport that you've ever wanted to see. It is Selection Tuesday, and let's start to reveal our brackets. Matchup number one, we have the one seed, who is Mary Lake from the women's volleyball team, against Peyton Dastrup, who is the last seed, fittingly. Lauren, everybody knows that 71% of the earth is covered by water. The other 29% is covered by Mary Lake, one of the elite liberos in volleyball. She will cover a lot of ground around the ping pong table. Then Peyton Dastrup, 6'10", long Rangy. He'll get to a lot of ping pong balls that other athletes typically wouldn't get to. Cannot wait for this matchup. Advantage Mary Legs. All right, our second matchup for tonight is Storm Faagata Tufuga. He is our second seed from the men's volleyball team versus the seventh seed in JJ Nwigwi from the football team. First of all, his name is Storm. Do you want to match up with a guy who has the name of Storm? Ask Stanford Volleyball about it. One broken nose later, I think they would collectively say no. However, J.J. Nwigwe from BYU Football is a guy that pulled out some surprises this year, including catching a pass. Who knew he was a tight end? He's the wild card. He's the guy that might do something nobody expects. Watch out. Upset special potentially from J.J. Nwigwe. Third matchup of the night. Women's Volleyball McKenna Miller at the three seed versus Brendan Sander at the sixth seed from the men's volleyball team. Spencer, what should we look for in this matchup? McKenna Miller, the pride of Marietta, California, freshman All-American. Do ye doubt what she is capable of? I know that Brendan Sander does not, both in volleyball and ping pong. Love to see those two match up in front of the big volleyball net. We're going to see it on the ping pong table. And with the final matchup, a very intriguing one, I must say, the fourth and the fifth seed, the fourth being Evan Choi from the men's basketball team and the fifth seed being Sione Taki Taki from the football team. Spencer, hit me with it. The elite lineage of Evan Troy makes him an early favorite in this matchup. His father wrestled in college. His mother was also a Division I athlete. He's 6'5", and I think 115 pounds. He can really move with that light frame. Watch out for Evan Troy. But are you going to go against the guy who hails from the same hometown as Jamal Williams. Sione Takitaki has the swag factor as the five seed. I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset, if you will, in the 4-5 matchup. Why we have these specific seedings, we don't know. Nobody knows! This is BYU TV Ocho, and we do what we want. Eight competitors. One winner. On Between the Lines next week. And the next week. And the week after that. <laughs> Who's going to win it? Who is going to win this? You guys are not going to want to watch or You're not going to want to watch it. Whoa. Well, gonna Rewind. Be, gonna be ugly. You're not going to want to not watch it. And you're also going to want to watch Spencer channel his inner Bill Walton because he does it a lot. So next week we do round one 
of Mayhem in March, our ping pong tournament. Follow us on Twitter at BOU underscore BTL and use the hashtag BOUBTL. I'm mad at you right now. Why? Because I want to watch that. That was too good of a tease. Like, like <laughs> yeah. at the end of a good movie, you're like, what? I, I don't know the conclusion. I want to watch that now. You, you got and me. And the matches were even better. I feel like a fish. I feel like a fish. <laughs> you took the bait. That, My cheek yeah, hurts. Yeah. Significant surprises. No, and, and I'm telling you, we're not just saying this because we want you to watch. The matches were really good. Like, each ping pong match was, it was close. I can't well, wait to watch. Who's, who's your early favorite, ones, Jeremy? My early favorite? Yeah. Early favorite. Who do you think's going to win? I don't, I'm guessing that Brendan Sander has some game. <laughs> I'm, okay. I, don't, I don't know. Okay. Because they do have their own ping pong table in, in the, the volleyball That's true. That's true. So McKenna and Mary yeah, and Brendan. Yeah, all the volleyball players it, yeah. have a leg But you don't want them spending too much time in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Lauren. Bo Hodge might be the guy. <laughs> Is he the guy? Should we ask him if he's the guy? Let's do it next. We have a two-on-one with Bo. Come on. Between the Lines is brought to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Think Nissan. Think Tim Daly Southtown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Batcats are in the middle of an 11-game homestand and host Utah Valley tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio, featuring Jason Shepard and and others, and Mike Littlewood, <laughs> and Brian Sue, and That's Brock true. Hale. That's true. That's true. Spencer I, I, Linton. I, I just feel like we owe him one. We do. In the last segment. We do. Yeah. yeah, we do. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B with your day-to-day <laughs> BYU sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. We are discussing with our question of the day. What is the most important thing for all y'all when it comes to BYU basketball scheduling at Nick Lee 51? Scheduling Utah Valley has no benefit. Oh, I disagree. It had great benefit this year, right? It's BYU's second best non-conference game. Look for more P5. You got to understand how it works. Or I should say P6 level games. Be willing to travel to get good games like football does in Independence. I am bummed BYU was not in the PK80 tournament this past November. Tournaments like that provide lots of good opponents. BYU's trying to get into the best tournaments they can. Uh, I imagine they weren't invited to the PK80. Uh, Dave Rose's brother works at Nike. Had they been invited, they would have gone. And you got to understand how it works. Utah Valley was BYU's second best non-conference. It was game. a road win against a top 100 opponent. They were what, 83 in the RPI. Yeah, so it was that's almost a quad, a quad one win. Two win. It's eight spots away from being a quad one win. Yeah, no, that that actually is. It a, was a good game. A good game. Utah Valley ended up being a good team this year. They weren't as good as New Mexico State. I, I understand what he's saying with the name right, brand, the name right. quality, which is what Blaine Baller said. Like, right. go out and schedule them more of the Arizona States and Oregon's and. Really, you're probably more, going to find some more Pac-12s. Some is what we're talking about in the Pac-12. Yeah, Ohio Valley, Missouri Valley, like notable names that you can get if you can get Big 12s we'll and Big Creighton. 10s. They'll play at Creighton or at Davidson. You know, you always shied away from the ACC quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure why. Is that an option? Is that feasible? Does BYU go down that path? We'll see. BYU football was also brought up in that tweet by at Nickley 51, and they certainly are not shying away from scheduling. Hard opponents, specifically on the road, Jerry. It's Jerem. too hard. Too many quad one <laughs> football games. Question now is, when BOA football opens the season on the road against Arizona, a quality opponent, which would be a quadrant run game, right? Okay. You want to break it into no, college I don't, football I don't quadrants? I don't want to discuss the word quad ever again. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? 
Maybe it's junior quarterback Bo Hodge. We went two-on-one at BYU football during the spring with one of the quarterbacks. Bo, you have apparently become uh, one of the poster boys for BYU football after a photo shoot last week. We saw the picture. A lot of people got excited about that. Uh, How are you feeling physically right now? I feel good. I'm healthy, ready to roll. Obviously, extra juice because spring ball just started, um, but everything's good. Physically, I feel good. How much weight, if any, did you put in uh, or gain in the offseason and and weightlifting, and how'd you get after it? Uh, I'm like 225 now, right around there. Um, none of it was bad weight from, from the pincher. What the pincher's telling me is none of it was bad weight. <laughs> um, but, no, Coach Nuu, Coach McClure, uh, Coach Middleton, they get us right. They have, they have everything dialed in in the weight room. 225, is that where you'd like to be? Is that playing weight? I'm, I'm sure I'll trim down a little now that we're running around a little more. I'll probably be 220-ish. Now, have you discussed said body weight with one Taysom Hill? Because I know that that came up on the show as well. I have not discussed it with Taysom. I don't want to – I'm not in the Taysom category. He's, <laughs> he's a freak. He's in a league of his own. Your dad made a big deal to us about how athletic you are, and he's just be, been really impressed with your work ethic and whatnot. What has he said about how you look this spring ball? Um, are you referring to, like, physical look or, like, yeah. playing football look? Physical look. We'll get to the playing football. Okay. No, he says I look good. He's like, yeah. he, is, he doesn't elaborate too much on it. It might get weird if he, if he likes it weird, too much. Right? Yeah. yeah. So he just says you look good. Yeah. All positive things. So many questions about what kind of offense BYU is going to run under new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Uh, from your perspective, what do you think of it, and how do you feel like you fit into it? I love it. I love the offense. I feel like it fit. Honestly, I feel like it fits almost any style of quarterback. Um, you can kind of mold it around any quarterback you want. And then I don't want to say too much about it. I'll keep it confidential. I'll let them talk about yeah. any details. Generally speaking, how, how has it gone and, and uh, what have you thought of it so far? It's been really good. They they did a really good job of getting things installed before spring ball started. So I feel like we've been sharp for the most part um, during our first couple spring practices. And then obviously we're just building each day. I keep hearing about changes and mentality and culture. Riley Burt sighting. That wasn't often yeah. last year. Um, it's good to see him. Yes. So with the culture change and the feeling around BYU football, how is it different this year coming into spring football compared to maybe where it was last year? It's just an energy thing, really. And like you said, a culture change. Um, that, that is the difference right there is that, that energy that Coach Grimes expects at practice. Um, has no... no uh, Nothing negative towards what we used to do, but just the way Coach Grimes runs things is a little different, um, and guys are really taken to it. There's a lot of quarterbacks, so how are reps being split up? Well, we practice so much faster that really everybody is getting a decent amount of reps. Um, but it, it changes every day. Coach A-Rod's, he said, you know, obviously nothing set in stone. We don't really have a depth chart in that room. We're all just trying to encourage each other and compete. That's, that's the motto right now. What is it like working in a room of seven and now maybe eight quarterbacks coming back uh, when Jaron Hall gets in? Honestly, it's fun. I like all the guys. We're, we're good friends. Um, I've said it before. On the field, very competitive. Um, but it's like an encouraging environment. It's a, You build each other up. You let each other know when you've done something wrong. You kind of help correct someone uh, if it's a younger guy or something like that. But off the field, very friendly, um, so it makes it easy. How is the uh, – Jeff Grimes has mentioned we're going to whittle this down to a couple of guys that will compete for the number one spot. How is that whittling process going right now? I I just go out there and play. The whittling, that's that's all up to the coaches. Have they mentioned, like, okay, it's down to these 
kind of guys? Have they have they whittled it down at all? They haven't said anything to us so far. So we just go out. Our job is to go out and execute with the reps we get. How do you feel like you are playing as you do self-assessment of your quarterback skills and from where you you came uh, as a freshman to where you are at this point? How how are you feel? Do you feel like you're performing? Uh, from freshman year, a whole lot better. Um, you know, freshman year is like you make the big mistakes, but now it's the little nuances, stepping six inches the wrong way, things like that. Um, I feel a lot better about the big picture. And now it's the little minor details that I feel like I get to focus on every day. How's Aaron Roderick as quarterback's coach? Coach Roderick's the man. He's extremely detailed. He, he talks about it every day. If there's something that, like I said, like we're six inches off or the route or something like that, he's like, oh, we got to detail that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So he's very detailed. He's a really awesome guy. Um, great coach. Where have you improved the most as a quarterback from last year to this year, just in one year time span? Uh, I would say just getting through progressions quickly. I would say that's probably where I've improved the most at times, especially my freshman year. I would get so caught up in what the play is, I'd forget to even really think about a defense, and I'd get locked into one guy. Um, so from freshman year, definitely getting through reads, you know, being able to assess the defense more so than getting caught up in what our play is, just knowing it and being able to really look at a defense and get through a read. From a strength conditioning uh, and conditioning standpoint, in the offseason, there were a ton of injuries last year, and it's hard to know how much was just pure accident versus, okay, we can train a little bit differently. Was that addressed in the offseason with the team at all? Hey, we're going to try and prevent injuries a little more? Um, I don't know. I think last year was just a weird year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anyone's to blame. It was just one of those years that just happens. Um, I think Coach New and our, our training staff all do a great job of making sure we're healthy, getting us back into you know, good shape and all that. Um, I think it was just a freak thing, just one of those years. Coach Grimes keeps saying that uh, he wants a quarterback that has the ability to extend plays and to move around with their feet. It's hard not to think Bo Hodge when you look at your skill set and your ability to make plays doing those things. Do you prefer to be kind of on the run making plays with your legs? or I mean, what, what do you want to do as a quarterback at BYU? I just want to win. As a quarterback at BYU, all I want to do is win. And even if that means I'm not the guy, whoever the best guy is, I just want to push whoever that is to be the very best. Um, I just want to see our team win this year, especially after last year. All I want is to win. Well, however that happens, um, I'm game for it. And frankly, the backup has played the last several years, so you've got to be ready regardless. Um, let's, let's finish with this. How much is Tanner Mangum involved He's not, he's not full go, right, but he's still involved in spring ball. Yeah, yeah. Tanner's doing – he's throwing one-on-ones. He's doing seven-on-seven, seven, um, which is crazy. I mean, you hear a, a ruptured Achilles. And for me, I've never seen one, so I was like, gosh, dang, like Tanner's going to be out a while. We, we all got to step up. But um, it's crazy. His scar's like that big, and he's already – he's jogging around. He's throwing. He looks good. Um, he's super involved. He's at all the meetings and everything. And obviously Tanner – we call ourselves like the OGs. We're the only ones left from our, our 2015 class. He's like, he's one of my best friends, and it's good to see him healthy. Bo, it's great to talk to you, man. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we appreciate the insight to spring football and uh, wish you the best and photo shoots or whatever moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Things are going well. Yeah, yeah thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Number seven, Bo Hodge. One of the quarterbacks, one of seven quarterbacks that uh, we will discuss over the next few months as BYU whittles it down to a starter and a backup. And it's, I mean, if, if we're looking with a wide angle lens and basing the decision that we think Jeff Grimes is going to make uh, because of experience and the basis that experience weighs into this decision. Who's the best quarterback? You play that guy. It's hard not to think that Bo Hodge is going to be 
one or two. It just but can Bo Hodge stay healthy. That's that's the question because uh, you know he had a concussion last year against Utah State. He had uh, you know the foot injury. He yeah he he battled through some injuries. Bo Hodge is a good player. I won't be shocked if he's the starter at Arizona. I won't be shocked either if Tanner Mangum's the starter. This staff has made a point to not watch a ton of film from last year on purpose. Almost to be fair to those guys, which is an interesting take. Hey, coming up, moving up the polls and getting conference awards, men's volleyball is doing good stuff. Another significant move for the guys of BYU Volleyball, plus your responses to the question of the day. What's most important to you in scheduling for BYU basketball? Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guests, Blaine Fowler, Lauren McLean, and Bo Hodge. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up this week, Greg Rubel, our in one picks on game day tomorrow, and safety turned linebacker Zane Anderson. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Senior quarterback Tanner Mangum now practicing in some drills four months after an Achilles rupture. Pretty wild. Also from the QB room, Cody Wilstead, redshirt freshman quarterback, is transferring. Men's basketball. The Cougars play at Stanford tomorrow in a first-round NIT matchup. 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, live on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Baseball. Badcats host Utah Valley tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The Cougars won three in a row. Volleyball. Moves up to number two in the latest AVCA coaches poll. Also, Brendan Sander named the MPSF Offensive Player of the Week. Felipe De Brito Freire is named the MPSF Defensive Player of the Week. And Leo Durkin, balling out, named off-the-block National Setter of the Week. Golf. After two rounds at the Entrada Classic in St. George, the women's team is in second place at two over. Kendra Dalton leads the Cougars in second place at five under par. I'm not going full golf voice, but mostly. <laughs> the final round is today, and Tiger was one shot. From winning the Valspar. He's back. He's back at one <laughs> tournament. He's back. <laughs> I will say this. He's back. Golf, Texas is, golf is better. Love him or hate him. Golf is better it is. when he's playing well. That's like, you know what? We don't need LeBron in the NBA. We're okay. No, it's better with LeBron. It's great. Except if there were no Steph Curry's and no <laughs> other great players, Kevin Durant's and other great players. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Biased men's volleyball moving up to number two. Oh, they're playing really, really well right now. They play USC, by the way, Thursday night on this channel. What's USC ranked? Uh, Are they're, they ranked? They're ranked 5 and 14. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. USC yeah. used to be really good. They're struggling. BYU has four losses on the year. USC has five wins. Yeah, it's weird for me to hear USC consistently struggling now. Because, they were a power because for Because I know time. they're past. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. But uh, BYU playing well. We'll see if they can keep it going in, at home. 12 matches in a row. 7-0 and in league. Five conference matches left. Let's go. Pepperdine has three losses. Uh, UCLA has two. So BYU is Let's like go. three games from locking down that one seed. Question of the day. What is the most important thing for you when it comes to BYU basketball scheduling? Let's read some tweets. At BYU to the Swamp. BYU has had few epic tournament games with the Florida Gators. Mm. Scheduling a game in Gainesville or trying to play them in a preseason tournament would be fun. That type of opponent would be great. That's a good game. Yes. And if they're not top 75 RPI road quad one, whatever. You played Florida. That has some cachet. It's at least a quad two. 
you have a better chance of having a power six opponent end up as a quad one or quad two based on how difficult their schedule is yes. for the remaining of the season. And this is all based on the RPI number. When we say one through 75 away game, that's RPI. It's RPI, which I still don't think that metric should be the primary governing metric. I don't know what should be it, but <sighs> RPI, man. The RPI is so <laughs> it's so weird. 50% is my record, 25% is my opponent's record, and 25% is my opponent's opponent's record. What do my opponent's opponents have to do with anything? Oh, thank you, schedule. Why quad one game? I don't know what's going on here. You really schedule. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, exactly. KPI, Ken Palm, BPI, strength and schedule, quad four. What's going on? At Laser Sheep tweets in, number one, when it comes to most important things for BYU basketball scheduling, beating Utah. Two, scheduling P. What? No. This is saying, football. We keep saying P5 teams. There are six power conferences the in college basketball. The Big East is a power conference P6. in basketball. Yes. Okay? Scheduling P6 teams and staying, staying healthy for conference play. I had such a, an eye-opening moment during that interview with Blaine Fowler. When he said, look, if BYU had St. Mary's record, they 100% would be, yes. But they wouldn't even need to, to have St. Mary's record in conference. Like, you go 11-2, and two, and you go 14-4 and four in conference? Yes. Let me tell you what killed BYU. They were 11-7 in Losing to LMU. Not beating uh, UT Arlington at home. That was a bad one. They ended up being a quad three loss because it's at home. You're supposed to be teams at home, okay? Even those two games, Jaron, BYU Even those two is, games. has 26 wins now. And that, don't, don't Randy Bennett me and just talk about wins, okay? Quad one, quad two, and these quality, matter, okay? Quality wins. BYU needed to beat Alabama. No, no, no. BYU needed to beat St. Mary's at home, beat Alabama on the road, and then they're at least on the bubble. Okay, okay, okay. the bubble. Just this. How about even if they lose to Alabama, just – just win the game against St. Mary's at home. That would have helped. Oh, it doesn't get you in, but it would have helped. All right, conversation is rolling always. Our elite tweet of the day from Matsio underscore living. Oh, please, schedule more games with Bill Walton to broadcast. Have Bill Walton take us to uh, the end of the show here. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Audio <laughs> podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app for Jeremiah Spencer. Shout out to Luke Walton, please. Jeremiah! Crush, crush.